you say you're a broadcast journalist, so now I know why you give such good podcasts. <laughs> All right. I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. It's it absolutely meant to be. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 16th year, number 810, Harlem's Classical Theater. Jones is the producing artistic director of the Classical Theater of Harlem, which provides theatrical productions and theater-based educational and literary programs for free or at little cost to Harlem residents, businesses, schools, community-based organizations, and all who seek Harlem as a cultural destination from around the world. I got a chance to speak with Ty a few weeks ago about how Classical Theater of Harlem has survived the pandemic and is trying to create a permanent home for not only itself, but all of Harlem's classical institutions. And Ty started our conversation by telling me just exactly how busy he and the Classical Theater of Harlem are right now. We're sort of on uh, steroids right now. So we've got, um, we, we, we're in the middle of casting for our show. And, uh, you know, we have some folks that, that, that are a little higher profile, so we're getting them to sign the contracts right now. Um, we have our, our, our fundraiser, as opposed to doing a gala, you know, yeah. with, uh, you know, rubber chicken and speeches. We, uh, we do a poker tournament. So, um, uh, and, and one of the reasons, too, is to sort of be able to reach out to different people outside the theater circle, right? So right. lawyers and bankers and stuff like that, too. So. Uh, but, but there's plenty of theater people who love poker too. So that that's next week. So we're in the middle of trying to, uh, get all the logistics right for that as well. So I'm, I'm so happy that, you know, I'm, I'm able to, uh, speak with you cause, uh, uh, it, it's been, it's been, it's been dramatic. You know, I like to keep the drama to the stage and it's been, um, it's been quite dramatic the last couple of weeks. So. Well, last couple of weeks, last couple of years. And, yeah, and that, that's and- for sure. And not only, not only uh, are you guys, have you guys survived the pandemic? It sounds like you're coming out of it sort of even, possibly stronger well, than ever. Go big or well, get a home. Is that what your plan well, is? Well, it, well, here's the deal. This is, uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So um, I think the unintended consequences of what's happened over the last two years, I mean, there are many, but, but in, in speaking with what we're talking about, um, so I'm really happy that the government and foundations were able to help out our sector. Uh, one of the ways was called the SVOG. The other one was uh, PPP, right? right? Now, the Shuttered Venues, I have you know, plenty of colleagues out there, and they've told me that they, uh, they've experienced a windfall because of the Shuttered Venues. Yeah. And uh, you know, we don't have a venue. We got PPP. We were able to get both. Uh, it extended the runway for my employees. I didn't furlough anyone, fire anyone. Everybody kept their insurance. However, inflation is real, all right? Um, fees have gone up, salaries have gone up. Those, those are legitimate. And um, and just to give you an example, I budgeted our set at fifty thousand dollars the year before. It was it actually real costs was forty eight. Um, so I actually expected to be more like sixty this year, right? Mm-hmm. It came back, and we had three different bids. The lowest bid was three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So so the, here's the thing: is that I feel like my job now is to go to these foundations, talk to people in government to say, hey, look, this isn't the time now to back off. We actually need you to double down for you know organizations like Classical Theater of Harlem, some other itinerant organizations, organizations that have been um, um, 
uh, resourceful with the very few resources that they've had. Now, you know, like I said, the big institutions, understandably, who got the shuttered venues money, I I'm glad they got that. It this is my, my you know, yeah. my sector as well, too. But um, in an unintended way, I believe what we did was essentially declare what we deem as um, worthy of preserving by giving that much money to those uh, institutions. So now I've got to say, hey, we're worthy of preserving as well, too. So it's it's so now my 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 job is sort of I mean, this has been my job, right, to right. You know, let folks know about Classical Theater of Harlem, try to you know increase the visibility of our company. But um, I, I am literally depending on my staff and my board uh, to to make sure that our, our show goes off. Uh, without a hitch, of course, there's, oh, you know, I, I, let, let me knock on wood, you know, for the summer <laughs> show. We're doing Twelfth Night, by the way. And uh, <laughs> If there isn't a hitch, we're doing something wrong. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, but but I'm, I know that much of my energy is going to be about trying to uh, uh, have that conversation with a number of folks to say, I, I, I've even had um, foundations, three of them, tell me that they are thinking of sort of pulling back a bit uh, because they believe a recession is coming up. And I'm like, no, yeah, um, if I'm not mistaken about, and I'm, I'm willing to be wrong here, but I think I'm close to being right. Uh, many of these foundations and, and, and those wealthy folks, uh, but, I'll, but we'll, we'll keep it in, in the conversation of theater foundations and stuff like that, or theater, the theater world. Uh, many of them, uh, of these foundations, saw an increase in their endowments anywhere between 18 and 30% within two years. Yeah. So yeah. I've got to believe they, they're in a place to be able to double down for organizations that are roughly our size. Well, and, and I'm, I mean, I love all of that. I think it's, I think it's both a challenging and and horribly frustrating, but also an exciting time because we are all sort of rebuilding and there's possibilities, but I'm, I'm curious about the value of classical theater to you for the reduced Shakespeare company. We've sort of meld two versions of classical theater, uh, uh, Shakespeare or Shakespeare slash literature generally and yeah. vaudeville combining wow, nice. these ideas how, nice. how does what defines classical theater for you and classical yeah. theater of harlem and, and and what is its value do you think to your community so i i think very simply you know a classic is something that uh will stand the test of time right and if i read a play that's a, a, a contemporary play yeah. and i believe uh or my team believes that this is a play that if given um uh the, the, you know, time, it would indeed become a classic. We'll actually call it a future classic. Love so it. So that gives us Love space it. to be able to do, uh, you know, uh, current plays. So we'll, we'll do your traditional class, the Shakespeare, Ibsen, Chekhov, Moliere, those kinds of things, right? Yeah. And um, and then some American ones too. We'll, we'll, we've done uh, Amiri Baraka, you know, Leroy Jones, sure. stuff like that. Um, and in terms of, you know, CTH's uh, value to its community, you know, I, I, um, the way I see it, 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 it it's this. I, I've had many people say wonderful things about our company and, and that we're necessary. And, um, and, and ultimately, it comes down to this. I want to be able to have the 10-year-old version of me to be able to have a, uh, a, an artistic space. That's basically what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, you know, I did play sports. I did a lot of other activities. But I know that there are young, uh, young, young folks out there whose lives have been changed uh, through the power of words. And, um, and I think that classical theater of Harlem can be 
that kind of institution um, that that becomes the part part of one's life. They when they grow up, they'll be like, yeah. Remember when we used to hang out at the Harlem Classical Arts Complex? We saw we saw opera there. We saw you know ch chamber music there. We saw the Classical Theater of Harlem there. Remember that? Oh, that's where we first met X, Y, and Z. He was on stage, or she was on stage. You know. So, um, uh, and but I do believe that it's important that the goals of CTH um, are measured. And what I mean by is this: I have really no desire to become uh, uh, the Public Theater or Lincoln Center. But I believe that classical theater can have the impact that the public theater or Lincoln Center can can uh, uh, has. Yeah. Um, you know what public means to downtown and what Lincoln Center to m means to Midtown. I think CTH can can do the same for Uptown. Uh, and also in in terms of you know running a business, you know we always have to make sure that we understand both art and commerce. You know people coming to our shows that's foot traffic to their businesses, and this is part of uh, uh of the uh we're, we're part of the economic equation of uptown as well too yeah and that's the value of a permanent home isn't it because you can take your shows into communities into parks or whatever but when right. you have your own home you then become a not only a source right. for culture and entertainment but a resource for the community a, a destination that's exactly and that's exactly the point yeah. is that um uh, the, I mean, look, there are a number of things. We could talk about this for quite some time, but I ain't going to lie. You know, over the last two years, if you had a space, um, you were looked at differently, you know, mm -hmm. over these last yeah. two years. So um, I want people to think of us as a sustainable organization. And the way that where we are on the spectrum of, of what that is, mm -hmm. having a home is what would be uh, is what would make that happen. And but I don't want it. I'm not interested in it in a. Um, how should I put it? It's not a vanity project. I want uh, Harlem chamber players. I want uh, a Harlem opera, classical theater of Harlem. All these are in one place. Let's just put it this way. The idea of putting those uh, uh, three organizations together is what I think would be attractive and something that hasn't been seen uh, uh, above 96th Street. I'm Francis Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. Frangela. And you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Podcast. What? Yes. Merrily and yay verily, motherfucker. Where can you RSC the RSC? We'll be visiting four cities this fall of 2022, performing Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel in Rolla, Missouri on September 21st, Bloomington, Illinois on September 23rd, Jasper, Indiana on September 25th, and the Wharton Center in East Lansing, Michigan on November 9th and 10th of 2022. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Twitter feed, at Reduced, for the latest information. Now back to my conversation with Ty Jones, the producing artistic director of the Classical Theater of Harlem. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey? Uh, you said you were a kid that played sports. I bet you were an actor too. Did you ever yeah. see yourself becoming an artistic director, a producer, of a, a founder of a cultural institution? How did that journey happen for you? Uh, I'll, I'll fast forward. So yes, I played a lot of sports and stuff like that, but did a couple plays in high school, did enjoy it. But uh, my mom was is a 22-year veteran of the United States Air Force, and she was a journalist in the Air Force. So Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I enjoy journalism, but I wanted to do broadcast journalism. Mm. So I was a communications major as an undergrad at University of Delaware. 
Um, I used to make a joke that I was going to take over Bryant Gumbel's job when I got to New York City. That was what I was going for. That was my North Star. And then um, my final year of undergrad, um, I ran into two brothers, one Steve Harris and a guy named Hassan El Amin. Steve, if you remember a television show called The Practice, Many years ago, he was a series regular on The Practice. I worked uh, with Steve Harris on The Practice. My man. So Steve was at the school at the time. And um, and this is before he's the Steve Harris that everybody knows as a household name. And he was like, you know, young blood, you should go ahead and just audition for it, this program. Uh, and it was called the Professional Theater Training Program at the University of Delaware. And so, um, I, I, you know, this formula is a, is a strange one, but... Uh, this is how it worked for me. Uh, it goes again back to my mom. Every base that we were stationed at, every Black History Month, my mother would make me perform. She would say, you got to do some poetry, some prose, do something. Yeah. But um, So at every base, there's called an NCO club, uh, and it's called the Non-Commissioned Officers Club. All right. So Black History Month's a big deal in the military. And um, you know Jimmy Jones's son is going to do something for Black History Month. And, um, and so... I had memorized a piece, um, and this this goes back to the black church as well too. Lot lot if you, especially in the South, if you uh, went to Sunday school, uh, a piece that a lot of kids would memorize is called "The Creation" by James Weldon Johnson, uh, uh, a pioneer of the Harlem Renaissance. So I had the piece memorized when I was nine years old. All right, and it's a sermon from a book called "God's Trombones." Anyway, I actually still could do that to this day. All right. Over 40 years later, I can still do that 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 uh, that sermon from that from 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 that book. So anyway, that was one 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 monologue I had already ready to go. And then Steve and Hassan uh, spent a couple hours with me to learn the monologue Edmund uh, from King Lear. You know, Thou mm -hmm. Nature Art My Goddess, so on and so forth. And we chose that one because it was nice and short. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so they told me what not to stress and so on and so forth. Hit this ending, and they 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 just gave me the basics. You know, gave me a quick master's class right there. I auditioned and I got in. I was 22 years old, didn't know a damn thing about theater, had no literacy around it whatsoever. But I think the, the, the instructors, uh, Sandy Jewell and, and, um, and Ju uh, 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 Leslie, they, um, I think they saw that I was trainable. You know what I mean? Yeah. They yeah. They, that I had, the, I, had the, I had the tools, now I need to sharpen them. And that's what they did for me. I actually just grew up. You know, graduate school, I had to grow up. Uh, I couldn't be late to class. Uh, we, have, we had an 8 o'clock class. I had to be there at 7.58. They would lock the doors if you didn't get there uh, uh, at 7.58. So there was a, uh, the level of discipline is, uh, is unmatched in any graduate program. And, and, uh, and that's how I got started. Um, once I graduated, um, I had the fortune of going to Germany. I was stationed in Germany with my mom at one point in time, so I speak a little German. Uh, I did a play called Mother Courage. So Mutter Courage in Ihre Kinder. Uh, so I did that in German. And then I came back and worked at the Guthrie and did a bunch of regional theater. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, got, got introduced to the Classical Theater of Harlem around 2002 or so. Auditioned for a play. That was um, The Blacks, a clown show. Ended up winning an Obie Award. And then things continued from there on out. We hit 2009, the financial crisis hit. And, um, and then exposed us financially, as well as uh, exposed us in terms of our deficit of leadership. Uh, everything was gonna close down. I stepped in, essentially became the board chair, managing director, development director, wore all hats, 
we were about 400K in debt. We're now debt-free. Um, and now we're trying to find a home. That's astonishing and 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 well reduced, well abridged, sir. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good, right? Yeah, ah. <laughs> that was very good. No, it's you have to in in our business, you have to wear so many hats. Yeah, and that's what young people. I mean, my daughter, God help me, I have failed as a parent. My daughter just graduated as a theater major. No, no, don't say that. No, let me. No, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on that because I. She does too. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, but here, there's a lot of times I um I'll do some symposiums and things like that and. And people will ask about that. And I said, look, um, if you're going to pursue the arts, pursue it fully. If you are an attorney, right, you're going to go to law school. Do you have a backup? No. If you're going to go uh, and be a doctor and you go to med school, do you have a backup? No. Do the same thing with the arts. Go full force yep. with the intention of making your life in the arts. Now, I get it. It's a, a It can be a struggle. I mean, I, look, if there was ever a... Uh, a um, a craft that I think is really tough is dance, you know, comedy, stuff like that. And comedy generally, you don't go to school for that, but, um, but, but dance is tough. Um, short life oftentimes, but, um, if you are going to pursue the arts, pursue it with no backup, because, um, if you got those skills and, you know, you know, I, I often tell some of these young, young folks too, every day that you don't work on your craft, you've missed a week, every week that you don't work on your craft, you've missed a month. Every month that you haven't worked on your craft, you've missed a year. If you've missed a year working on something, do something else. Yeah. So I, uh, I think it's great that your daughter, especially she has a father that, you know, is an artist himself. Go for it. Go for it. You know, I think there's always this thing that we want them to be rich and da 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 da, da and all, you know, I get that. I've got three kids myself. Yeah. And, um, but all three of them are classical musicians. One plays the piano, one plays the violin, one plays the cello. And I'm like, Make a life in the arts. But if you don't, I believe that the music gives you life skills. 100%. 100%. Yeah, and, uh, and that's great pushback. And, and, and yeah, that's exactly what my daughter has always said to me. You and mom managed to do it. How tough could it be? That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing, where Ty tells me about the animated projects Classical Theater of Harlem is beginning to create, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. For more information about Classical Theater of Harlem, go to their website, cthnyc.org, or follow them on Twitter or Instagram, at Classical Harlem. Their cool-looking new production of Twelfth Night begins in two weeks, running from July 5th to the 29th of 2022. Then send us your childhood memorizations via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com or visit my website, theshakespeareans.com. Thanks, as always, to series regular on the practice Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Volker Hagblom. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Francis Callier and Angela V. Shelton, the comedians known as Frangela. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe, get your boosters, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Tishner, 810 2430ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. How do these young people, considering all the trouble that we're having in school, keep up with the arts or keep up with literature? So we came up, uh, we did a little studying, and we found that like 93% of young scholars 
actually uh, 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 consume animation. Like that is the space that they're in. And my thing has always been about go to them. Yeah. Go to the people and the people will come as opposed to, you know, the other way around where, you know, some institutions get a bunch of money about trying to diversify their audiences and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, you got to go to them. You got to make them feel home at home. Go to them first. Anyway, same thing with the young scholars. Where are they? And they are in the in the world of animation. So we're trying to create uh, 10 titles, 80 minutes a piece, package them, get them to schools, have the schools uh, subscribe to um, the 10 yeah. and, um, and have that be, you know, residual income. We're trying to do that now. We're in the middle I of love, it now. I love that. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. So much less. So much less. So much less. So much less.